Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. It's been a little bit, and we're happy to be back. And on today's episode, we are going to discuss all souls and all saints. So let's get started. Indeed, it's good to be back, Lindsay, and, and to be able to uh, to reflect a little bit more on, on the number of things that have been part of our church for quite some time. And when we think about all saints and all souls, those are really two rather important days in our faith tradition. And there's so much that's connected with it, uh, sometimes good and the bad and the ugly. Um, certainly, <clears throat> it's surrounded by, you know, Halloween. You have the All Hallows' Eve, which which is indeed, it's about the evil spirits. And then you have uh, the all saints about the good spirits. And then you have all souls about those who aren't quite sure where they are yet in the midst of it all. So it's, uh, it has a lot to do, though, with, with people's lives and the way that we celebrate. And, and oftentimes what, what could be seen as a very much a morbid or negative thing, I think people, you know, through people of faith and over the centuries, have really recognized that there's a lot more positive to think about it. Even uh, some of the movies that have been come, have come out, for example, I think of Coco, which is the one about the la, la, uh, let's see, la Dios Dia de los Muertos. De los Muertos, yes. I believe so. And it's so when you when you bring in different cultures, it really does add a whole different dimension. I never heard of that, you know, uh, that day or how it was celebrated. Uh, so it's it's nice to be able to talk about just first all saints and then to speak a little bit about all souls and also then to speak a little bit about some of the customs that, that are surround those those days. But first to look at all souls a bit, it, it's important to put it in a context. Where does it come from? Um, the custom of keeping a festival appears, you know, in the Eastern Church, uh, right, at first, uh, as, a, as a feast of the martyrs. You know, there was a way of remembering those people who, who, who gave their lives willingly, you might say, uh, or at least courageously gave their lives for their faith. And originally, there wasn't, it was about those, uh, you know, whose names are known only to God. It was about martyrdom. It was about having your life taken from you uh, for the faith. And they didn't really even keep the names at first. It was for, as I mentioned, the, the names of those whose names are unknown and known only to God and to God alone. And so it was um, men and women who were put on trial uh, in, in the early centuries, uh, where it comes from. The Eastern Church <clears throat> remembered all of these people on the first Sunday after Pentecost. So when we think about all saints, we always think about November 1st. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't until much later. Uh, Just had to be different. <laughs> yeah, I guess it was. But it was, uh, it was the day that those people were remembered was the first Sunday after Pentecost, which in a sense makes sense. You know, when you think about the celebration of the church on Pentecost, and then all of those who helped those folks to get where they were. And, and sometimes there was a terrible cost, the ultimate cost, you might say, uh, for a lot of different folks. And so it was uh, certainly a way to remember them. The Western Church didn't settle on a particular date or time. Of course, they, they had various dates. 
Um, they had dates that were, you know, in May, April, uh, kind of all over the place at first. <clears throat> and um, the in the Western Church, by the 5th century, so the 400s, it was called uh, not the Feast of All Saints or even Martyrs, but it was called the Nativity of All Saints. You were born into the kingdom of God. Basically, you died. Sure. And so, but it was it was looked at as the nativity, you uh, the new birth in in into the kingdom. Uh, so it was you know birthed into heaven. So it was the date basically of your death. In Rome, <clears throat> remembering ancestors was an ancient custom that that went back a long ways. Uh, and there was a feast on May thirteenth <clears throat> that. Uh, that was celebrated, you might say, the the ancestors remembering people. So when you say back a long way, is this like multiple gods, pagan remembering ancestors? Yes, okay. yes. And for lots, you know, lots of reasons, we're going back centuries and centuries. Ultimately, for the Jewish and, and, and eventually Gentile Christians, but the Jewish folks, it goes back way back into the Old Testament where they remembered people, and, and we'll get to that. But there was a, a, a feast, though, in May on the 13th. It was the day that Pope Boniface IV <clears throat> dedicated the Pantheon, the Temple to the Gods, dedicated the Pantheon as a Christian church. And he dedicated it to the Church of All the Martyrs. So again, May 13th was an important date uh, still at that point in time. <clears throat> How actually November 1st was chosen in many ways is un, quite unclear. It's not, um, it's not like somebody sat down and saying, oh, this date or that date. Uh, as, as we have talked about any number of times, when it comes to the history of the church, there is always you know, the, the, a development that, take place, that takes place for lots of reasons. Some... Uh, make sense. Others make no sense at all. Uh, so exactly how November 1st was chosen is really unclear. By the mid-9th century, so the 800s, November 1st was established uh, in the Western Church, not the Eastern <laughs> Church, even to this day. Um, it was established in the Western Church by that time. Um, it is very possible, and there is a lot to support it, that the November date uh, actually came from an Irish tradition. You know, leave it to those Irish, uh, <laughs> where uh, Christians established the first day of the month as the day when they celebrated key feasts or things that are to be remembered, dates that are to be remembered. That was a real custom in the Irish tradition very early on. And so it's, it's, it's recognizing that as it was possibly established by that way, it really caught on uh, through Europe, eventually really caught on through Europe, moved to Rome, um, and by the 10th century then in the Western Church, uh, November 1st was established as the date. Uh, but it was, it's interesting how it's that late, you might say, uh, in the 10th century yet that, uh, that you recognize that it was not until then. All sorts of things come together, you know, as you start to look at these things. In the Eastern Church, even to this day, 
Um, it varies depending upon which group you're part of. It varies from the Sunday after Pentecost. And then there's also a group that celebrates the remembering of the martyrs on the Friday after Easter. So it's actually in the Easter week. Again, there's some rationale to that. When you think about what we celebrate, you know, on Easter of, 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 of new life and baptism and all of that, that those who were certainly washed in the blood of Christ, you might say, uh, through martyrdom, is that it makes sense to remember. So there is still a, a variables as to how we, uh, how and when we celebrate this significant uh, event. I guess it's imp just important that we celebrate, no matter what the day is. I think you're right. I, I think celebrate. there's a lot, lot to be said to that, Lindsay. That, uh, that we we celebrate it, and and you know, I know there have been some calls to, for example, even Easter to get it on one date and leave it there for goodness sake, or, or these kinds of days. There have been calls to, you know, to somehow make it consistent. But I, I think we we lose something when we do that. We in in I think America, I, I tend to have like things nice and neatly packaged so it's always predictable and and yet I, there is there is something about there's a lot of, to be said about the the variety of, of how people celebrate these things of of when they celebrate these things that as people of faith no matter which tradition you're out of you might say uh, because all of the the major traditions have these have these days where they, where they remember the dead, where they remember their ancestors and recognize the goodness, sometimes by the things they learn to do and sometimes by the things not to do, how, how these people have a, a, a tremendous, tremendous effect on our lives. And, and so that variety and the, the different ways that we look at it really add a lot about just the human condition and, and, and the marvelous and I would say mysterious ways of God. So it's, um, yes, I think there's something to be said that as long as we celebrate it somehow in some way and, and how we are able to discover new ways, you know, to celebrate it uh, with new rituals, uh, those kinds of things that I think that really can make a difference. We, we celebrate it, but, but why? What's, what's some of the meaning behind it? Um, when you think about the act of venerating and veneration or giving honor to in general, uh, that's as really as ancient as Christianity and before. As I mentioned before, before is that it goes way back into Old Testament times and, and before that. Uh, in Old Testament times, we, we find the people honoring uh, the patriarchs, the matriarchs, the prophets, the kings. They were all honored with, with various events, either at their tombs or at places associated with them. Sometimes they were very simple, uh, gathering at a place simply to pray. Other times you had much more elaborate celebrations, big meals. Sometimes you'd have a, a play that they would put on that would dramatize the person's life and why. Amen. You know, it's just, um, I think about even, you know, with, with my own parents who are, who are deceased now for some time, 
is that, you know, to be able to go to their place. I think that's one of the sacred things about Catholic cemeteries is that there is a place that one can go. And that's why, at little aside, you know, I, I, I'm concerned sometimes when, you know, people have their loved ones cremated and, and they just scatter it on the golf course or they scatter it someplace. Where do you go to remember? And, and we are we are creatures who need these things, you know. I think at times we, we, we don't want to admit that. Um, but death is real and we believe new life is real also. But we are creatures that over time we find the need to go someplace to remember. And, and I find that as I get older is that to go to, you know, the grave of my, uh, my ancestors, uh, where my great-grandmother and grandfather, great-grandmother and grandfathers, uh, where my mom and my dad and, and an a, uh, infant sister that died, that somehow I can go to those places and I can spend some quiet time, you know, as, as I would do on, on just this past All Saints Day, you know, to be able to go there and spend a few moments in prayer uh, to remember, you know, uh, remember the good times, remember the sad times, remember it all and saying, you know, to give thanks to God for it all. So there's, there's a lot to be said about being able to have a place or a space or to do things that somehow bring those memories to mind and, and to make those things very real to us. Uh, so it's, um, <clears throat> so venerating and such, it's not making them, you know, gods. It's venerating, it's honoring them, honoring their memories, honoring the ways that, that all of us are different because of them and what we have learned and the wisdom that we have learned from them. Jewish Christians and Gentiles Christians uh, would have, as I mentioned, would have been very familiar with the practices. Jewish Christians, as I mentioned, patriarchs, matriarchs, the prophets, all of that. Gentile Christians, not so much from that end of it, because that wouldn't have been their history, but because many of them were of the Roman culture. And so the Romans, they had been venerating their loved ones or honoring them for centuries and centuries. Uh, the, you know, it was something very, very common. Um, in fact, the early uh, Gentile Christians, you know, had to make it very clear and to insist because of some of the tendencies of, from the Roman culture to insist that these saints or these people that they were remembering were not gods and goddesses. You know, that was the temptation to make them gods or goddesses. And so they had to insist and make it very clear that they were honoring a memory, uh, honoring, you know, uh, what they learned and not treating them as gods or goddesses. When you say Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, what do you mean? Jewish Christians would have been who those who would have been Jewish first. They were raised Jewish, uh, circumcised, being Jewish, and eventually became Christian. Gentile Christians uh, were not Jewish at all, or many of them never, never became Jewish. Uh, the vast majority, and this was the big argument between Paul and Peter and such about, you know, do we have to have these people become Jewish first before they can be Christ followers? Mm. Or do we simply accept them for who they are? And that's where, you know, the council says just, you know, keep them, you know, from eating, you know, unlawful foods and, you know, those kinds of things. Here are the few things that we don't want to burden them with. 
but they didn't have to become Jews first by being circumcised. And so many of your Gentile Christians would have been out of the uh, Roman cultures, would have been, you know, uh, any number of the cultures that simply were not Jewish in origin at all. Gotcha. So they come from, so they would come from two very different histories mm -hmm. and, and memories. And so uh, it's, it's important to, um, to understand that because for the, the Jewish Christians, uh, they would there would have been no temptation, you know, to uh, consider the possibility they were gods or goddesses because that would have gone against everything they believed of, you know, you worship, you love God and God alone, and you know, and neighbor itself, as opposed to the Gentile Christians, they would have had multiple gods, you know, of all sorts, and so for them to come into a monotheistic religion, uh, one was a huge step for them. And, and so yet the temptations that were there to possibly make these saints, martyrs, um, those who had gone before into gods and goddesses. So that's, that's why it's important to, to have some of that difference. <clears throat> the customs that sometimes were surrounded with, uh, with the celebration of these people's lives any number of the customs would have been, you know, meals, uh, particular foods. Um, you would have placed flowers again, uh, and we we still do that today. You know, when you think about it, uh, what's one of the very first things? You know, a child dies or somebody dies in the street. You know, we see it all the time, and people place flowers. And and you, I don't know if you've noticed this, but. Uh, the way that I travel from, you know, from West Bend to Milwaukee or different places in Wisconsin, and you watch along the roadside, and you'll see crosses mm -hmm. with flowers of a person's name who died at that spot. You know, we, we, we need to remember. We just, we need to remember. And so there would have been all sorts of, of, of those kinds of customs that would have helped people to remember, uh, you know, their, their loved ones that had gone before them. When we talk about veneration also, uh, just to continue that, it speaks of honor um, given to those in the past, but it's not only about the past. Uh, when we venerate the saints, and is that we also, we point to the future and to a present that we want for ourselves and for our children. It's not just about those who are dead. And I think that's kind of where it was at first. But it speaks about what those people died for. It speaks about what those folks were willing to sacrifice for. That, that you know, when you talk about the, a new world, a new vision, uh, was one of my points that I made even when you look at the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are a new way of looking at the world. And it's appropriate that the Beatitudes are used then as the gospel for All Saints Day because that's how those people lived, believing that there was a new way to look at the world. Not only, you know, uh, in some day in the future, but today, saying that we can make the world different today. And so being a saint, over time it was recognized that being a saint wasn't simply waiting around until you died so you could be canonized and then have your name put on a calendar or a plaque someplace. You know, um, but it was about bringing about the kingdom of God right now. 
Uh, so it, when we think about, you know, honoring the saints and celebrating All Saints Day, it's certainly about what they help to usher in, you know, in, in, you know, during their life. But it's also about then how we are able to help usher some of that in to this very day. Make it new. Make it fresh. So is All Saints, when you're thinking of it, is it those that have been named saints? Those are the saint, or those are the people we keep in mind, venerate on All Saints Day. We we honor, venerate not only the saints that are named that are canonized by our church, but also those who are unknown. We really do. It's so it could be everyone. It could be. It could be. Okay. You know, you think about, you think about people that live in our midst, people that you know, people that I know, people that I would say are people that I would say are a living saint. I think of a lady that I met over the years in, in, a, in a women's prison. Um, she was in for life. She, she has a, a life sentence. She took a person's life. And she would be very honest and say to you, I did a terrible thing and I took somebody's life. I had no right to do that. I'm paying the price for my action. But she also has gone through a genuine, I believe, conversion experience to where, you know, there is, when you talk with her, there is no anger, there is no rage, but there is a strong belief. And in fact, uh, she was moved uh, when they started closing some prisons down. Uh, she was moved to another prison and she was the inmate, you might say, that the guards and the prison officials would send to her first, you know, as they spent their first days in prison. I can't imagine what that's got to be like, but obviously they said it's it's very, very traumatic uh, for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And uh, particularly for many of the women that were in the prison is that they were away, for, away from their families, they were away from their children, and for some, they might not see their children for a very long time. And so shock, trauma, all sorts of things that, you know, are uh, all sorts of things that they would have to work through. They would send them to her to help them transition so that hopefully there wasn't the temptation to take one's life, to, to just, you know, in a sense, become more hardened. And, and, and they sent them to this woman. To me, she was a living saint. She had a deep belief in God. This was, you know, and as I got to know her over the 11 plus years that I was working with the prison, I got to know her pretty well, you know, of, of what she was like. And this wasn't, you know, sometimes this, you know, the jailhouse conversion. She wasn't going anywhere, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know. Um, but it was genuine and you could see it how she talked and how she worked with the folks. And even talking with the... Um, uh, with the people, you know, in the prison, they would send, you know, say, this is the woman that you want to have on your side, and this is the woman that you want to have people talk to to help them transition. Those are living saints. Those are living saints. Um, and I, so it's it's the named ones and the nameless ones, people that are, are past, gone, and people that live in our midst today. Hmm. And the thing is, is that generally, when we are in their presence, we have a sense of their holiness. It, 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 it comes through. Um, it's not that they can't have fun or anything like that. There is just something different about them. And, uh, and, and people notice. 
people know this. So, so when we celebrate, we celebrate a lot. It's it's very it's br very broad, you know, in in into in what we do and and how we literally embrace. And then you know, again, it goes back to the whole idea of celebrating. You might say in the uh, the whole sense of of the of the church universal. You know that, that it includes everybody uh, in a way. Um, the whole communion of saints, of all of those marvelous folks that have gone before us, that we make a difference to each other. And the, and, and the connector, obviously, is Jesus. So what's the difference between all saints and all souls? All saints, uh, we would say, are those who have uh, are indeed recognized uh, as, or we celebrate them, you might say, uh, the reality for all saints, it celebrates the glory and the victory of the canonized or the uncanonized. It celebrates that which has already happened, we believe, okay? When you're talking about all souls, it recalls that all who have died in the Lord's favor will one day share that same victory, will share that same glory. So essentially we're just cast in the net and we get everyone. Yeah, in a, in a way we do. <laughs> Over two days. You know, we do in that, I guess it's, first of all, when I think of all saints and all souls, and, 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 the, and the way we describe those things, because you bring in the whole concept of purgatory and all of that stuff. First of all, we as human beings cannot fathom or grasp the infinite. Um, you know, when they talk about God's ways are not our ways, God's ways are above our ways, how do we, people who live in time and space, how could we possibly imagine the infinite where there is no beginning and no end? It just is. How do we even begin to fathom that? And I don't think we can. I don't think any human being can. So what we have to do is that we have to put it in concepts and ways of thinking about it that make sense to us. As a church, through the scriptures and, and through reflection, we have not taught that, you know, you all come, you just, everybody is just in the same boat. We have pointed out saying that there are those we call saints that we recognize, you know, for good or for ill, we recognize as those who have accomplished, you might say, what God's hope for all of us is. But we also have recognized that, that though we, we are sinful people, is that we can't have just a, you might say, we would not accept you just have a deathbed say, oops, sorry God, and now I'm in. God can do whatever God chooses to do. Um, but that would be hard for us to deal with. And so I think when we talk about all souls, it's recognizing that there is the need for many of us who are sinful people, though we are believers. It's not that we're God-awful and we're horrible and, and, and we are pure evil. But there's a, some sense of purgation, cleansing, that, that is part and parcel of the time we die and when we enter the kingdom. Again, we put a time frame on some of that, but that's our need. For God, it could be just a matter of poof, it's done. Uh, again, how do we even comprehend the infinite? So we have to put it in ways 
that we can, in a sense, grow to understand. When you talk about all souls, you know, we, we do. We speak of all of those who have died, as I mentioned, in the Lord's favor, in, God, in, in, in God's name, that one day they will share it. Is it a million years? Is it a nanosecond? Is it, you know, what is it? You know, Time is just a construct, isn't it? Well, it is, you know, when you think about it. Uh, this is how, you know, the, the, first, the first week of eternity was described this way by, uh, by a, a sister who taught us in, in grade school in, in, in the little town of Climate in uh, Saturday, you know, religious education. At the time, it was referred to as CCD. Said the, if you had a ball bearing, a steel ball bearing, the size of the planet Earth, and every 100 years, a swallow would fly by and just nick the steel ball bearing with its wing. When the ball bearing was finally worn down to nothing, that was the first week of eternity. Now... Oh my gosh. Think about that when you're in third grade. And so we we put that, you know, we need these time frames because even that, as much as, you know, as a third grader, I'm thinking that's a very big ball bearing. And, as, you know, secondly, <laughs> it's the like, farm boy, yes. yeah, where's the bird coming from? So, so those are the things yeah. that yeah. third graders think about and not about eternity because they can't imagine that, is that you look at that and you're saying, well, okay, I can at least begin to understand that's a very long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a very long time. Um, so we have to do something with it. What does it really mean? That really belongs to God. And I think we have to keep it there. And we cannot become, you know, obsessed with, for example, like purgatory being a place. It's not a place. We believe it's a process of cleansing to make us presentable to God. And I think that's where we are wise to leave it in God's hands. That's why, so when, when you look at some of this, is that um, you, you, you begin to recognize that um, the, how long it took for people to come to understand these things, of what it meant to, to celebrate all saints, what it meant to, to venerate people. And even as the practices, you know, came into play, For example, for all souls. All souls is something much later than all saints. All souls really begins in with Abbot Odillo um, from the Benedictine Monastery of Cluny in the uh, early 1000s. Is that he was the one that decreed that that all of the monks of his congregation would somehow, you know, after they celebrated all saints, that somehow we would remember all the dead not just the saints, we would remember all the dead. And over next 300 or so years, you have the practice finally gaining ground among, you might say among, it, it early ground was gained among the monasteries, but eventually the uh, diocesan clergy also started to take up some of these practices. And so finally in the 1400, 14th century, I should say, um, the Roman Western Church placed it on their calendars. Again, the idea being all saints, we celebrate what has been accomplished. All souls, we celebrate what is yet to be accomplished. 
those that would be kind of the difference between the two. And you leave the rest really in God's hands. Now, you say, well, why do we pray for people? Well, the fact is we believe that prayer does make a difference because ultimately prayer is to God. And we believe God hears our prayers and we believe that there is an influence that we have on the communion of saints and those who have gone before us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And there is an influence that they have on us as we live today through the life, death, and resurrection of <laughs> Jesus. Again, always Jesus always being the, the linchpin there. Um, there have been, you know, when you think of all souls and all saints, um, there have been many and varied customs had developed in the United States. Um, it was really the, the all souls, all saints was really brought over by the Europeans, of course. Um, and it continued to, uh, to be a very important, that even during all of the different changes over the centuries, uh, when they had to make decisions as to what days stay on the calendar, what days remain holy days, those kinds of things, is that all saints has always been on that calendar from the, from barely from the early years. Is that it, it, that says a lot about the significance of it. It says a lot about you know uh, the difference that it makes to remember. And all souls was then very very uh, closely connected to them. Um, over the decades, there have been meals and prayer rituals and blessings, uh, different ways to honor and remember those who have gone before us. Uh, sometimes we have te been tempted to go more toward a, a morbid approach. Um, even now, there's, there's been an okay, you know, for example, to wear black vestments, all souls. You know, in All Saints, I should say, we would have worn white vestments. All Souls, you wore black vestments for a long time. Uh, then, you know, for a number of years, you, you didn't see any black vestments. It wasn't permitted. Well, they've started to permit that. Whether that's a good idea, time will tell. I particularly don't like it. It's an interesting color for a vestment. Yes, uh, but it's coming back. You know, mm. it's interesting that it's coming back. I, I think that, again, time will tell uh, because there have been these kinds of, of leanings, you know, over the, over the decades. Uh, but it seems to be much more, it really seems to be more and more geared toward a sense of joy and a sense of hope, which I think is, is terribly important. Uh, and also, as we had mentioned uh, a little short time ago, you have the El Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead. With the rise or the, the greater influence of the Latino culture is that we have that Day of the Dead that I believe really brings a, a greater sense of joy and hope to this whole celebration, particularly of all souls. Where, you know, they will go to the graves and they will have picnics and, and you know, just a real celebration and the importance of handing that down to, you know, to the future generations saying, you might let go of a lot of things, but you don't let go of honoring those who have gone before you. Mm -hmm. And how that great, great, great grandmother or great grandmother or grandmother or, or uncle or aunt, that somehow they're part of the familia. They're part of who we are. They're part of why we are the way we are. Um, you know, I think of, of, I have a chalice, and, and I think of that chalice was purchased by my, uh, my grandparents on my mother's side. They had no idea that I would end up with it. But 
They bought it knowing that they wanted to do something for their church and they wanted it to go to the first priest of the, of the small parish they were part of. But their influence, when I think of how they practice their faith and all of those things, in some ways somebody would say, well, that's rather extraordinary, but is it? I mean, really, is it? When you think about how these traditions and, and the values that you have are passed on to the future generation. And so I look back and saying, maybe it wasn't nearly as much of an accident or uh, by chance as, as we would like to think. That the hand of God is in the midst of all of that. And that's, in a lot of ways, what, you know, the all saints and all souls can really help us to learn. One little thing about that I, I learned that was different, that uh, all souls, during all souls time, is that the poor begged for food in return for the promise of to pray for the deceased loved ones of a person. And the food that they were given were called uh, soul cakes. S-O-U-L, soul cakes. Basically, they were donuts. And the hole in the middle, in the middle, uh, the circle in the middle, I should say, represented eternity. Hmm. And so the poor would beg for these, and they would be given these donuts, and then they promised to pray for the person's loved ones. Uh, so there's just so much, you know, when you think about... Um, what is possible when you start to look at the richness as these days. And, and part of it, too, is that, you know, a little bit of my concern sometimes is that uh, the fear that sometimes we will lose these things. We will lose these celebrations. We will lose the importance of the memories. Not just hanging on, you know, to old dead people's memories and stories. Uh, on the contrary, uh, recognizing that, you know, we are in part due to the people who have gone before us. Those folks, so many of them, worked for a world in which we live today. And, and, and how do we then work for a world in which those who will come after us will live in tomorrow? And so there's a lot, there's a lot that all saints and all souls have to offer us. So it's a good thing for us to think about. And we don't have to just pray on those two days for them. No. We have it any time. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good, you know, for example, to have those days spelled out where I was talking to you about my parents before a little bit, is that I remember them in a special way on their birthdays, their anniversary, um, certainly on All Saints, All Souls Day. Um, but there are key times when I make sure that I go to the cemetery, and they don't have to be there, but... It's comforting to go there mm -hmm. and to remember. And is all of your family in the same cemetery? Yep. Mm -hmm. That's that's the, the one thing about you know a family little family church like that. Um, on on my dad's side and on my mom's side, almost everybody on my dad's side is uh, not quite on my mother's side, but yeah, they're all there. Wow. They're all there. I mean, you are literally surrounded by family. <laughs> You gotta bake a lot of food for the Day of the Dead then. <laughs> uh, yes, you do. <laughs> yes, you do. All right, well, I think we're gonna leave it there and uh, we will see you next time with our next episode.